Then give up, Dutch. But I can't give up, not. I can't fight my own nature. That's paradox, John. coming through with another edition of never out of bounds of course this is the place we can say what you want as long as you got them facts i had a whole structure in which i wanted to go about this episode but i needed to get some things off of my chest uh basically partly of a, another upon further review even though i had one plan for today it's gonna be partly some of that it's gonna be partly um you know well some further developments for one and um well, let's just go ahead and get into it. First and foremost, motherfuckers is still out there complaining about this Dave Chappelle shit. Either they complain about it or they raving and ranting for it. Either way, it's been the topic for the past two, three weeks, right? Okay, so your boy shows up. He has a show another a couple nights ago, and he starts to say, "Am I canceled?" Everybody's like, "No, I'm not canceled." And he goes on and to, you know, discusses how he wants to meet up with the alphabet community and, and have these discussions on his terms, which is, I guess, fine. I'm not tripping about none of this and at this point anymore. It's become, I'm be honest with you, it's become flat out annoying. Both sides. They're getting on my fucking nerves. Look, yes, with Dave Chappelle might have offended some people. Get the fuck over it. Yes, he might have said some shit about the alphabet community, but that does not make him a great comedian. Get the fuck over it. I'm tired of you motherfucking. Oh my God, he's speaking the truth. He's saying the greatest shit I ever heard. Actually, no. Everybody and their mama talks like that at their house, and they know that, and they just, they just bragging about it now because what he's doing it on TV or on Netflix. If you ask me, Motherfucker stopped, he stopped telling jokes at some point in time. He just started ranting. He just started to become some regular dude ranting. And it started to become very boring. We get it. You don't like these people for some reason, but you have these ran, run-off friendships. We get it. At this point, I don't fucking care, bro. I don't fucking care. Because you're flip-flopping and you want to... You, you, to me... To me... Him and Boosie got some of the weirdest reaction to this shit. And it's almost like they got something. I'm sorry. Almost like they got something to hide. All this. I got this friend, though. I got this. But I don't. What are you talking about? First and foremost, senor. It's not even jokes at this point. Like, and I wanted to give him a pass. But then I, I also looked at. I also gave my chance, myself a chance to look at the other specials he was doing. Because I forgot. I did watch. Uh, the first one he did after uh, Sticks and Stones, all those ones, right? And he will go on the same fucking tangent. That is boring. Do you have nothing else to talk about? You can't talk about what Trump is doing. You didn't want to talk about that. You can't talk about the, the bullshit going on. And you don't watch sports. You don't listen to popular music. You just, he would sit there and rant about people for 15 minutes, these people for 15, 20 minutes, and it's, uh, and it gets 
It gets annoying. But in some, I guess in some reality, people want to be able to bash. So that's why, it, oh yeah, secretly, that's really all what it is. I'm sorry, that's really what it is. He, motherfuckers, he's trolling and he's exposing people's, uh, what, is, what was he calling it now? Discrimination, discriminatory ways. And we're seeing it. Thank you, Mr. Chappelle. That's really what you did. And they clapping it up. They eating it. Yeah. These people, this. While we do all type of shit in our own community daily. Okay. Whatever. Whatever. That's okay. That's okay. We want to riot, though, when we get shot at by the white cop. Mm. But then all day we say, all you hear on our records is nigga this and nigga that. All right. But black lives matter when we get shot by the white police. Black lives matter when it's about... Comparing us to the alphabet folk and trying to be able to talk shit about people. Right, that's right. Oh, we, oh, they let us talk about black people. We are talking about black people. We don't want to do it. I mean, they let us do it. That's the rappers. That's the comedians. I mean, I don't, I'm not complaining. I'm done complaining about that. I we got big, You know they ain't got clean water in, in, in Michigan still, right? In the black communities. That's more important. Just saying. And then also Chappelle went on to talk about how uh, the the establishment doesn't now doesn't want to release his movie. Well, you know they gave you about all these millions of dollars. Maybe you invest some of those millions of dollars and and independently release your movie. It's been done. Boosie, despite how I f- you know how I feel about some of his beliefs, I think he's one of the last true hustlers out. He put out the movie on his own, made a good, decent profit of it, all that he could take home. Why not do that? We're out, Chappelle. Is it is it that hard for you? You see, he they almost tell they almost show you the gatekeeper tendencies because he tells you, yeah, he takes this little stand and everybody rallies behind him. Yeah, you can't cancel Dave Chappelle. But then he goes up to the white corporations and say, Well, why you don't want to put out my movie? Come on, man. I'm not buying that. Put out your own movie, and you can talk about whatever the fuck you want to talk about. They gave about $27 million. Now, they'll say, to put out a, mo- a, a million dollar a motion picture, or, to, you know, from major, you know, just, you know, company, you know, takes about $72 million. But we're not talking about something that major. Are there not any black film festivals right now that you can be a part of and say, hey, y'all. See, you, you went to Ohio and did whatever in buttfuck in the, in the middle of Ohio, nowhere, but did you go to the black community? You did that like once in the, in the Chappelle, in the, what was it, the, the, the black party. Do it again. Shoot, go, make a whole film festival in Harlem and you have to talk about all the stuff you want to talk about. How about that? Y'all want to be, incl- y'all want to be exclusive to each other. Well, let's start doing it. Let's start putting the money. Let's start putting our money where our mouth and our feelings are, right? I'm just saying. I mean, I I just I just was looking at him saying, yeah, this is how I feel. Let's talk on my terms. And then start saying, well, these these other corporations won't put out my movie. Won't put out your own movie since you want to make your own demands to other people. That's that's the next step. I mean, is is I thought that's how we were developing ourselves, but apparently no. We gotta be we gotta be uh established by the the white controlled media right either side we take because that's that's really what it is whether you're jason whitlock whether you're candace owens uh whether you're don lemon rachel maddow they're all controlled by corporations and that's all that they you know 
and that's who controls the real power in this country, not necessarily so much the, the, the politicians anyway. You're blaming Democrats and Republicans when they're both being influenced by corporations. You know, now, let's be honest here. The corporations probably might feel a little bit, in this in this modern age, to feel a little bit of a need to, to swing a little bit more left because, again, it's more inclusive, and that means more buying power. But at the end of the day, they would, they, I mean, they would go along with a conservative regime as well because, again, the whites are the majority, right? And for the most part, America wants to assimilate. They believe in assimilation, right? Even non-whites, which to me is, I'm, I don't believe in assimilation. Sorry. I, I think everybody's culture is way too unique and every un- individual is so unique to the point where I don't feel we need to be a homogenized people or homogenized identity. We don't get along enough for us to ever want to be like there's too much racism. Obviously, there's too much misogyny in this country. Uh, there's that still exists, despite what everybody wants to claim and wants. And, and again, when we allow certain things to go, it, it just exacerbates itself because, again, we have. Bootsy and Lil Nas ex father still distracting our community with their drama, with their nonsense, because uh, Lil Nas wants to flex himself and flaunt himself any which way he wants to, and and because Bootsy thinks he's really protecting the kids, he wants to go after this man any any real aggressive way that he feels like he needs to show to show the community yeah we're standing up to this but you ain't standing up to none of the dope dealing you ain't standing up to none of the murder and again kids get our our children are getting sexually trafficked our children are getting our children are getting caught up in this dope trafficking so fuck all that if you ain't standing up to all this then it's then it's no point in calling out one sin at a time that's bullshit i'm not doing it. if you need to call it all out I'm done with all this picking and choosing who we need to co- protect communities from, and we need to protect protect our communities from all that bullshit. If that's the case, okay. Um, I've already said that, and I'm done arguing with people and and all that because people want to. Well, that's well, Bootsy. That's he has a point. Well, you know, in a way, yeah, we don't want to see it on TV. Well, guess what? Don't watch that channel. Don't allow your kids to watch it. They're gonna put it on TV because that's who's gonna watch it. That's who. That's the people who exist. Sorry, just like black TV shows. If you don't want that, again, what if they started stripping dumbass shows like Black Ink and all those other shows that y'all watch? Y'all wouldn't like that. So again, it's a pick and choose. They could easily do that, which they do, which they do. Insecure just wrapped up its final season. I mean, I never thought that show was that great, anyways. But again, you know, just an example. I mean. We have our own media we can look at. I mean, I don't know what what y'all are complaining for. Again, this is what y'all wanted to be separate but equal, right? Well, here's y'all chance to be at least separate. <laughs> um, they not gonna treat none of us equal. That's the whole thing. The power structure isn't gonna be set up that way. Nobody's gonna be really treated equal at all. And uh, th- there's no real there's no real totem pole outside of the super rich anyway. There's no real power structure outside of it. It's just the super rich and then the people who work. And, you know, and they can they can break us down basically, you know, based on those little subgroups, sure. Well, I'm, I'm black and I'm white. And then, you know, you have gay versus straight, you know, and then you have the allies and all that. It, it's just all divisions, you know. Pretty soon you'll start seeing that on the global scale. Y'all keep... You know, not paying attention to the news, the real news. You know, you got China beefing with Taiwan again. They sending 150 war planes over there. Y'all not listening to that, but y'all worried about what's going on between Bootsy Dad, Bootsy and Lil Nas X Dad. I don't give a fuck anymore. 
I'm done hearing about Chappelle. I don't give a fuck. Put out your, just like just I'm gonna give you the same advice, and I'm gonna tell Mr. Doctor well, Doctor Umar, get your shit together and do what you say you gonna do for the people. Put out the movie. Stop begging white people to put it out for you. Doctor Umar, put out the school, please. I saw you rocking the jacket a couple weeks ago. FDMG, come on, put out the school, please. Stop, stop, stop going around making these rounds talking about Chappelle and and all this. You can't be pro-black with a with a with an Asian or non-black wife. I don't want to hear all that. I'm done with that. Open up the school, please, sir. Let's get let's get let's uh, help each help our community. And again, stop making sound bites. This is not about making sound bites. It's about uh, actually restoring the community. At least this is what I thought. At least this is what I, I thought this was all about. As far as I'm concerned, Netflix is getting paid. Chappelle's getting paid again, and that's that's really what goes down here. Nothing really changed I, in society. Nothing has really just substantially changed. All right, y'all. I'm gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, I'll be breaking down the World Series. Game one is in the books. The Braves got it done against the Astros. We are gonna break it down. We're also gonna kind of break down how we got to that point. Uh, at least in the ALDS and the NLCS. So I'll be right back, y'all. You already know what it is. side we had a world series game last night yeah a damn good one at that game one of course uh ends with the braves getting the best of the astros final score in this one six to two uh for the braves in this one they were led by their designated hitter of course they're playing uh at well on the road against the al team so of course they have to have a dh in this one dh uh the dh in this one jorge soler would hit a solo home run right fielder adam duvall would get a two-run home run austin riley and freddie freeman will both bring in runs as well rbis excuse me as well and pitcher aj uh mentor would get the w on the mound for the astros uh carlos correa and left fielder Chris McCormick will get the team's only two RBIs. Uh, the Astros really struggled last night, one for nine with runners in scoring position. And pincher Frambert uh, Fran uh, Valdez, excuse me, takes the L in game one. Uh, really rough start for him, going for two innings, giving up th- uh, sorry eight hits, three earned, sorry five earned runs, including two home runs. Uh, just a just a bad start for the Astros. I, you know, I wasn't expecting that per se, uh, but, you know, the Braves have been playing, you know, I guess, I would, yeah, no, definitely beyond their potential, but uh, let's kind of break down how we got here, of course, in ALCS, both uh, both a- both the ALCS, excuse me, and the NLCS were both one of six games, uh, the Astros got it done against the Red Sox in that game, 6-5 to zip, um, 
so for the Ed, for the Red Sox in that series, uh, they were they were actually up two games to one in the series, but proceeded to go ten of ninety at the plate over the next three games. Uh, and they pretty much only generated one run in their last twenty six appearances. So again, they weren't hitting the ball well at all, and they weren't driving in runs. That's you gotta be able to do that right in the playoffs. Again, you can't do that in the playoffs. You're not. It ain't gonna work. I mean, I know it sounds simple. I know it sounds obvious, but obviously they didn't do it. Now the Astros rotation and the bullpen came up big in games three and four, uh, three and four, excuse me. And in game four, the Astros held the Red Sox to zero runs uh, in the final seven innings. And game six, uh, Luis Garcia, one of their starters, uh, he had five. He stepped up with five scoreless innings in that game, in that deciding game too. Uh, his fastball would reach speeds of 96 miles per hour. Uh, Xander Bogarts for the Red Sox would go for the Red Sox, excuse me, would go five of 26. Kyle Schwarber, uh, I believe, would yes, yeah, he would go zero 14 after hitting a grand slam in Game Three. You know, not much to not much to speak of from the Red Sox after Game Three, pretty much. All bad. Astros pitching stepped up. This is why I'm kind of surprised why they, you know, they struggled last night. But again, different team, different lineup. Of course, you're gonna have different matchups and different, you know, weaknesses and strengths. So <clears throat> we'll have to see as the series progresses what goes on. Of course, the Braves get the best of the Dodgers, four games to two. Uh, that final score in that game six was four to two. Ah, poetic. And then again, you know, this is another thing for the Dodgers. They spent a whole lot of money. You know, and they failed to reach the championship. So it's sad. This is the uh, this is sad for them. You know, I I definitely like the Dodgers, um, but you know, being the uns the unbiased sportscaster that, I, that I'm aspiring to be, I gotta say that the Braves played a, played a good game. Uh, this is their first World Series appearance uh, since 1999. They were in the losing that one to the Yankees, if I'm not mistaken. Eddie Rosario is the fifth player in MLB history to get 14 hits in a playoff in a playoff series. He was 14 to 25 in the NLCS with three home runs, nine RBIs. He was also the series MVP. Um, again, not too much to say from you know the All Stars for the Dodgers. Again, um, Max Scherzer was not available in Game Six. Uh, he would have been available for Game Seven if you know push would have came to such push when it came to shove as far as who showed up in game six the deciding game of course you had cody bellinger he would get an rbi but that's all you got aj pollock would get an rbi again like i said that's all you got and uh, mookie betts was nowhere to be found albert pujols wasn't nowhere to be found and surprisingly you know walker bueller does not have a good you know appearance on the mound uh, he takes the l in that one uh, goes for about four innings, giving up seven hits, four on runs. He would have six strikeouts, but what difference does it make if you've given up four runs already? So uh, poor showing from the Dodgers, but again, you know they'll be they'll be in the mix next year. They're going to be paying for it, so they'll pay to get <laughs> they'll pay to be in the mix. But uh, that is so far we are in Game One of the World Series. Uh, we have the Braves with a with a one game advantage. We'll see what happens there. Uh, but let's move on. We got a lot to get to in terms of the sports. Uh, let's get through some college football. Uh, we're gonna get through some news first. Now, I'm, you know, I'm guessing a lot of you guys know, at least my college football people know about Ed Ogeron. 
So we're going to break that down in just a second, but I want to break down possibly a firing you guys might not know about just yet, or at least you don't know all the details about. Uh, we're talking about Texas Tech. Uh, they're looking to start a new as well. Now, after two seasons, head coach Matt Wells has been let go despite the team being 5-3 and three at, the current, at the current point. Now, uh, behind these numbers, behind that 5-3 behind that and three record, though, uh, they did lose last Saturday uh, to Kansas 25-24, to despite having a 14-point lead. Um, you know, not a, not a good look. Uh, they are 0-2 at home this year versus the Big 12. And uh, to cap all this off, the rest of the way, this is who they'll be hosting uh, pretty much. They'll be hosting number 4 Oklahoma, uh, number 22 Iowa State, number 15 Oklahoma State, and number 16 Baylor. Now, I'm guessing when they were thinking about letting him go, they figured he probably isn't going to win any of these games. So, you know, what's the point? Although I think he could have probably got you one or two of those games. I think Iowa State is a beatable team. Uh, I think Baylor, you know, you could have probably caught Baylor or maybe even Oklahoma State. Maybe not. So, well, yeah, maybe Baylor and Oklahoma State, to be honest with you. Baylor can get, I mean, Oklahoma State can get beat. Um it looks as though Texas Tech had improved to an extent this year. I don't think they will beat Oklahoma. Um, I, you know, they're too good. Maybe not. Maybe not Baylor. Uh, but I think maybe they could catch Oklahoma State, Iowa State as well. You know, they they don't always play up to their potential either. Iowa State and Oklahoma State. So that that could have been uh, a toss up. But with that being said, Texas Tech has gone one and six versus the Big Twelve since 2019. Not a good look overall. Matt Wells was 13 and 17. In his time there, um, he had, uh, and well, this is for the team now, not so much him, uh, but the team has only had, uh, well, the program itself has only had two ball appearances since 2014, um, and they only won twice, I think, in that time period, so, like, I think since they, yeah, they only won twice, I think they won both of those appearances, but again, they haven't, they haven't had any postseason, you know, appearances, they haven't had any real success in their conference, and you know, I get it. They're going through kind of, they going through the cycle. I mean, they've been in bad juju since uh, Mike Leach was there. We'll talk about him in, in just a second. Um, now, in the meantime, they'll be interim coached by Sam, uh, Sonny Cumbie. Now, he's the offensive coordinator. And he's also a former court, quarterback there. Again, uh, he was he was there when Mike Leach was the coach. So, uh, as an interim coach, uh, sorry. He also did serve as an assistant for the squad between 2009 and 2013. A little bit more about Matt Wells. He's 57 and 51 in eight seasons as a head coach. He was 44 and 34 with Utah State. And um, I I think, you know, the Big 12 is probably just, or maybe just that team specifically, just probably didn't bring out his best uh, standpoints because I think, I mean, he has an above 500 coaching record in general. And he did pretty well at Utah State, and I'm pretty sure he had to have won a ball game or two with a record of 44-34. So um, I definitely think he's a decent coach. It's just probably Texas Tech is a difficult school to win at because of their identity offensively and what they want to do probably. And just in that conference where you have to deal with Oklahoma, possibly Texas. And then as, as you can see this year, we have Iowa State in the mix of the top 25. We also got Oklahoma State and Baylor. So all good teams here. So it's it's not easy. It's not going to be an easy win um, any week. So, you know, he comes up short more more times than not. And I understand the team wants to turn that corner. Um, 
some possible replacements right now that they're looking at is going to be Sonny Dykes over there at SMU. Um, his family carries some ties with his father actually being a head coach there up until, I believe, Mike Mike Leach's arrival. Um, we also got Jeff Trailer, Jeff Trailer from UT San Antonio. And we also got Graham Harrell, offensive coordinator down at USC. He's also a former quarterback for Texas Tech, again, under Mike Leach. And again, he brings it all back to the man, Mike Leach himself. And I, I know... Texas Tech wishes they had Mike Leach. I think he would have been the coach to get them over the top. I, I think this is why uh, they haven't been able to to really sustain. Mike Leach gave them a ton of sustainability. Um, he was there for a long time, for, for a good amount of time. Um, and for those of you who don't know what happened to him, um, apparently uh, he had locked one of his players up in a in a pretty much a, a, an equipment shed for hella hours in the hot sun during a practice and just left them in there and wouldn't let them out or anything. And um, it caused a big national stir uh, because that player's uh, father actually happened to be a college football player. And he was actually an analyst uh, at ESPN at the time. And uh, like I said, a whole bunch of drama. And despite all the success Mike Leach had been having, of course, Texas Tech had to let him go. And the team hasn't really been right since. And I think that they were as close as ever uh, to winning a national championship with that team as they're probably ever going to be. Uh, they That was a team that was at one point in time number two in the nation. Uh, they had a big win versus Texas. Um, for those of you who may not remember, uh, this was the game that put Michael Crabtree on the on the map pretty much. Uh, last second play uh, from Graham Harrell, of course, uh, the guy who's uh, in contention right now for the coaching job, uh, ironically enough. But uh, again, you know, they had that, that moment under Mike, under that guy, under Leach, and uh, they haven't been able to, to touch that magic since. And um, it just is funny to me how two, well, at least the interim coach right now and a potential candidate and another potential candidate in Graham Harrell, you know, just happen to be from that offense. And it's just so ironic, but then at the same time, a little bit disappointing that it can't be Mike Leach. But anyways, if we look at the Red Raiders right now, like I said, they're currently 5-3 and three overall. Two and three in the Big Twelve, so it looks like all their losses have come in uh, in conference play. So they're two and three versus the Big Twelve, that puts them in six in the conference. Uh, they have a decent offense. They're fortieth in the nation. They're thirty, they're thirty ninth, excuse me, in passing with thirty. Well, sorry, with two hundred and eighty five yards per game. They're also thirty first in scoring uh, with about thirty four points uh, per game that they're scoring. Uh, now the issue within this season and it has been in many seasons with this team this program in general is their defense they're currently 140th in the nation in defense they're allowing 30 30.6 points a game that is 99th in the nation they gave up 70 points to texas and also 52 points to tcu so you you can definitely score on this team uh not a, especially that 70 points to texas that's not a good look um and that's probably definitely a factor into that as well so again, Texas Tech is on the move looking for a new coach. Who knows who it will be? Um, I think one thing going uh, in the favor of the of Graham Harrell and maybe even Sonny Cumbie is because of the you know the style of offense that they're probably going to be running. You know, of course, the air raid, uh, at least more so for Harrell. Um, there has been some success that's being found with that on the next level with the Arizona Cardinals and, of course, Cliff Kingsbury, despite, of course, Cliff Kingsbury not necessarily being a coach that had a lot of success at, guess what, Texas Tech. So, again, 
it's probably gonna come full circle and they might they might hit it but i definitely think they need to focus on getting that defense together whoever the next coach is going to be i don't care if it's especially specialty is offense he's going to have to at least have a competent defense otherwise they're going to get get eaten alive in the big 12 because the big 12 is high powered offense again when you're putting up getting 70 points put on you it's not a good look particularly to a team like texas who took a big l massive l probably i think a week before that win uh, that 70-point win that they had, it's not a good look for the Red Raiders. So they definitely got some improvements to make, to make um, and hopefully whoever their coach is is going to be able to key in on that. Let's move on, of course. Uh, we're going to go take a trip. We're going to stay down south. We're going to go down to the bayou, down to LSU. Of course, we know about Ed Ogeron. Let's get to the nitty-gritty. Of course, his time with the Tigers has come to an end. And, of course, athletic director Scott Woodward has agreed to a buyout worth $17 million. And um, this was pretty much after the team's loss on October the 9th to Kentucky. So this has been in the works, I would say, pretty much since almost the beginning of the season, to be honest with you, from kind of the way that I'm feeling this. Um, and, again, like I said, he agreed to buy out Ed O'Dron's contract, so he's done at the end of the year. It would take... Three seasons for Orgeron to make LSU a champion in 2019, but things will fall, things will fall apart even more quickly, um, particularly when offensive coordinator Joe Brady would pretty much find a job. Well, he found a new job at NFL. He's currently with the Carolina Panthers, and his defensive coordinator Dave Aranda, really good defensive mind. He would go on to be the head coach at Baylor again, a top 25 team. Um, now his replacements. Uh, where Scott Linehan for the offense and Bo Pelini. And Bo Pelini, and again, um, let's kind of let's actually uh, take a step back to Joe Brady. It's not so much that he was an offensive coordinator per se, but he was, I guess, the passing, the passing team specialist, or he helped the quarterback specifically and all that, the passing game. You know, it's, it's, there's these weird college positions that they have, you know, and I don't know. Uh, he's a he's a he's he's a coordinator, but I guess a glorified coordinator. I don't know. It's weird. But anyways, Scott Linehan and Bo Pelini would of course fill those vacancies. Uh, however, both of them will fail to come through. Bo Pelini will be fired after just one year. Uh, the Tigers finished with one of their worst defenses of all time. I believe almost giving them three hundred over three hundred yards a game defensively. Again. And the, the funny part, well, the cold part about the Bo Pelini hiring in the first place was that he was hired simply without an interview. You know, Ed O'Dron, this is, again, according to sources, you know how they do in the sports world, how they say, you know, they got these old random, you know, sources. They don't say their name, but it's just sources. Anyways, um, you know, like I said, I guess he just came across his, his profile and he just said, yeah, let's, let's just call him up and just offer him a job. I've never, I mean, that's, that's crazy to me. <laughs> he didn't even want to figure out what his uh, defensive scheme was going to be until day one. That's a disaster. But anyways, last season the Tigers would finish five and five with star wide receiver Jamar Chase opting out and Joe Brewer, of course, already gone. Uh, of course, the Heisman winner being gone for the NFL in the offseason. All American tight end, well, All American talent tight end Eric Gilbert and also quarterback T.J. Finley would also leave the program. So again. There's a vacuum of talent there. There was a vacuum of leadership, vacuum of talent. Ah, da, 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 da. Long story short, it all falls apart. This season, 
will start off with a bad loss, uh, bad loss to, um, excuse me, a bad loss to UCLA, 38 to 27. It was made worse, of course, by Ed Ogeron's actions before the game, calling out a UCLA fan, talking about you can come bring it with your sissy blue shirt. He's from down south, of course. They talk in a different way. I thought it was hilarious, mind you. I wouldn't have had a problem with it. It's all in the passion of the college football landscape. You hear a lot worse, believe me, between the fans. But y'all know this. Um, but whatever, him being the coach is not a good look. And Ed Ogeron, well, we'll get to more about him in just a second. Um, like I said, they lost to UCLA 38-27. The Bruins have 470 total yards of offense and 210 yards on the ground. Again, for an SEC team, that's terrible. It's garbage. <laughs> the Tigers were held to just 48 yards on the ground. Again, for an SEC team, that's not good. That's, you, you're getting laughed at. <laughs> you're getting laughed at in their conference. Like, oh, you only put up 48 yards to them sissies at UCLA. That's I'm telling you, that's how the SEC talks about that loss. So, I mean, again, they, the the organization or the, the program at UCLA, I mean, I'm I sorry, at LSU, needed to probably make a, you know, a conscious public decision, I guess, you know, by condemning those comments. But um, <laughs> the SEC feels like – LSU lost to some LA sissies. I'm going to tell you, that's just how, <laughs> believe it or not. Anyways, more about Ed O'Geron. Again, this is, you know, this is what, what these eyewitnesses account are saying. Again, they don't have a name. They're just known as sources in the media. Uh, but anyways, he's been having these Bobby Knight-esque tamp uh, tantrums, you know, throwing chairs, cussing at players and other coaches. Again, rubbing people the wrong way. It don't work like that. Uh, he has his own personal drama. Uh, he recently had a, a you know, a divorce. Uh, he had um, some, like I said, his fan interactions. Um, one of them called up on his podcast one day. He said, he said something about they gonna find your body in the river. That one was a little bit too far, of course. I'm like, damn, bro, he took it too far. Uh, there's a clip on that. You can find that on the line, online. I said on the line. Damn, I sound, I sound like an old person saying that. But anyways, you can find that uh, clip somewhere. And, um, you know, there's also some more uh, some more serious drama. Of course, you had uh, the ball ban. Uh, of course, they couldn't play in a ball for ball games for, like, I think it was like a year. Because, of course, the OBJ, OBJ, Odell Beckham, of course, bringing money into the locker room, giving it to players, you know, all that fiasco. Uh, you also have a sexual assault, um, some sexual assault cases that the school failed to properly, well, he properly failed to identify and deal with two of them, I think, dealing with Darius Geis, uh, former NFL running back as well. So drama, drama, drama. Um, this is a quote again. There are guys that will run through a wall for their coach. They wouldn't run to the bathroom for him. Damn, you know they just putting it on thick at this point. But bottom line is, he ain't a good coach. Well, I think he's a decent coach. He just kind of fell out of his element. He got too carried away with his own success. And I think he's the type of coach that you need to have some good coordinators around him. I don't think he's a great X's and O's type of Well, I don't know. I'm gonna take. I, I do not think he's a great X's and O's coach. No, with what I, what his staff was composed of, and you know what happened with certain pieces, you know, left. He's definitely not an X's and O's coach. He's a great, I would say, team manager, organizer. Um, if he's 
has the right mind if he's not caught up in his own personal drama I feel because there were certain certain counts certain accounts of teams of the team's actions and just teams that the, things that the teams were involved in that he didn't even know about uh, for example uh, they had a protest on campus you know referring to I believe um, you know police brutality and things like that and he didn't even know about it he's over here at the practice facility like where there's everybody apparently he didn't get the memo or he didn't care about what was going on so th there's that going on as well so he just got absent-minded um he thought certain I, i'm guessing he thought certain coordinators were going to take care of that or certain members of the staff were going to take care of things uh but again you know if you want a job done right you got to do it yourself and say hey coach and he has to learn from this experience and Maybe he gets another job. I think he's a decent enough coach in terms of recruiting. I think he's a good recruiter. Um, if you think about who he's brought into that program, he's definitely a good recruiter. Um, he just has to be become a better X's and O's coach, in my opinion, and maybe or you know or just get really good assistance around him and be able to uh, scout for that properly. He needs to scout for personnel properly, not so much players, but yeah, definitely, definitely he needs to do better at picking his staff. All right, y'all, let's move on. Before we leave the college football world, we are going to be breaking down the new top 25 for the week. Uh, let's just go into it. We have BYU at number 25. They are 6-2. and two. Coastal Carolina, uh, they are 6-1. and one. They, dropped to, they dropped to number 24 after that ugly loss uh, Thursday, last Thursday uh, to, I believe it was Appalachian State. Yes, indeed. 30 to 27 was the final score in that one. Uh, Appalachian State moves on to five and two. In that game, uh, Coastal Carolina was led by Grayson McCall. He will go 15 to 23 for 291 yards and a touchdown. Shamari Jones would have two rushing touchdowns. Wide receiver Javion Halle would have six re uh, six receptions for 103 yards, and Cameron Brown would have three receptions for 98 yards and a touchdown. Linebacker Teddy Gallagher would have 11 total tackles. Uh, for Appalachian State, quarterback Chase Bryce would go 18 to 28 for 347 yards. He would throw for two touchdowns. Uh, running back uh, Nate Noel would have 82 yards on the ground. Uh, we also got Cameron Peoples with 80, I'm sorry, with 58 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. Wide right receiver Malik Williams would have 10 receptions and 206 yards. And to top it off, he would have a touchdown. And uh, wide right receiver Corey Sutton would have six receptions for 113 yards and a touchdown. Defensive lineman Caleb Sperling would have five total tackles and a sack. And linebacker DeMar DeMarco, uh, DeMarco Jackson excuse me, would have 11 total tackles. So again, Coastal Carolina takes their first loss of the year. They're going to drop by virtue of them playing in a weaker conference. That's just the way it's going to be. Unfortunately, they had to drop it all the way to number 24, which I don't like per se. Um, but that's just the that's just a drawback of playing in one of those conferences. They just give those conferences no type of love for media. So, again, the minute you lose, you go down. Uh, at number 23, we have UT San Antonio. It's a new team on the block. 8-0 uh, currently so far. Uh, they are first in their division. I believe first overall in the Conference USA as well. They play in the, con the West Division of the Conference USA. Uh, currently this year, they are being led offensively by uh, quarterback Frank Harris. 68 Sorry, he's completed 68% of his passes for 1,792 yards, 16 touchdowns, 3 interceptions. Uh, running back Sincere McCormick has eight, 891 yards on the ground and 9 touchdowns. And wide receiver Jakari Franklin has 45 receptions for 40, sorry, for 572 yards and 6 touchdowns. He is the team's leading receiver. And uh, for UT San Antonio, they are 12th in the nation in scoring with 39 points per game. 
some of their defensive leaders include uh, safety Rashad Wisdom, 42 total tackles from him. He had three. He had three total tackles. Sorry, three tackles for loss and three pass deflections. And you also got defensive defensive end. Well, actually, you could just call him an edge rusher. Clarence Clarence takes with six sacks. He leads the team in that stat. He also has ten tackles for loss. He also leads the team in that stat as well. And uh, for excuse me, for UT San Antonio, they are 21st in the nation in defensive in well in points allowed per game with 18. Moving on to number two, so you have Iowa State. That's five and two. They recently made it back into the ranking with that win, but that's last week over Oklahoma State. Uh, number twenty-one, we have San Diego State at seven and two. At number twenty, we have Penn State. We are five and two. Uh, we have back-to-back losses for this squad here. I think they could. Well, no, no. I don't think they need to be completely off the rankings, but where they lost is pretty ugly, especially to Illinois. They took eight overtimes, but they lost to an unranked Illinois team. I gotta give the uh, Brett Bellema a lot of credit for giving his team the heart and the effort to win in this one. Their starting quarterback was out as well. Uh, but honestly, Penn State did not play up to their potential in this game. We know that. Uh, James uh, Franklin, he's been in some news recently uh, as being linked to the LSU and USC jobs. Again, he's going to have to win some. If I'm a USC or LSU coach, I'm going to want him to win those two first at Iowa State. They're already 15-point underdogs. He already lost to Illinois. I wouldn't be all that impressed if I was the coach of either of those teams after I saw last week's loss. That's my opinion on Penn State. At number 19, you have SMU, a.k.a. Sugar Maple University. They are 7-0. At number 18, you have Auburn, who is 5-2. At number 17, you have Pittsburgh here. Pittsburgh here. Get your Pittsburgh out of here. 6-1. Six, six they recently had a win against the Stokely Trenches, who are, of course, Clemson 2-0. Those guys, 20, 27 to 17 was the final score in that one. They are riding a four-game winning streak. They are 10th in the nation in total offense, 10th uh, in passing with 358 yards per game, and they are 44th against the run. Uh, they're also first in their division and near the top of the conference in general, uh, that being the ACC. Moving on to number 16, you have, of course, Baylor 6-1. We mentioned their coach a couple times already. You have number 15, Oklahoma State, at 6-1. and one. Uh, They took an L last week, of course, to Iowa State. Let's talk about that one, of course, it being a top 25 matchup. 21-24 was the final score, of course, in favor of the Cyclones of Iowa State. But Oklahoma State, they were led by quarterback Spencer Sanders, who would go 15-24 for 225 yards. He would also have passed for three touchdowns. Jaleb, sorry, Jalen Warren would have 76 rushing yards. Wide receiver Brennan Presley would have six receptions for 84 yards and two touchdowns. Tay Martin, Tay Martin would have four receptions for 80 yards and a touchdown. And linebacker Devin Parker would have nine total tackles for the Cowboys and an interception. For Iowa State quarterback Brock Purdy would have two, uh, would go two, would go 27 of 33. I wanted to say two, 270. Why? I don't know. We didn't know what to do with 270 passes last week, y'all. Don't listen to me. He threw 27 passes. Actually, he threw 33 total passes and completed 27 of them. Good job, Iowa. 307 yards for two touchdowns. Brees Hall did his thing on the ground, 70 yards there and a touchdown. Wide receiver Xavier Hutchinson would have 12 receptions, 125 yards and two touchdowns. And defensive end Will McDonald would have two sacks. And good game from Iowa State. They are back in the rankings. You know how they, you know how they do. 
you know, when you're in a couple or you're in a big time conference, a couple wins in a row, you're gonna get back on your game. That that gives you some legs. I, you know, I ain't got no problem with that for the Big Ten tournament. You know, that's what they're gonna do. Um, the media is gonna do it at least. Um, Texas A&M at number fourteen, six and two. Uh, they're they're coming off three wins in a row, of course. Conference, a conference like the SEC, three wins in a row, it's hard to come by. So again, being ranked 14, that's you know that's granted, that's warranted. I'll give them that. At number 13, we have Wake Forest here, still undefeated at 7-0. Although I don't think they played too much of anybody just yet. I'll have to wait and see on them. Yeah, we'll see. Um, up next at number 12, we have Kentucky. They are six and one at number eleven. We have Notre Dame here. They had a win last week over USC. Doesn't mean much. Uh, Kentucky and Notre Dame both six and one, just like Mississippi six and one as well. At number nine, we have uh, Iowa here at six and one as well. At number eight, we have Michigan State. They are seven and zero. Oh. They are forty second in total offense, three hundred fifty six rushing, two hundred yards on the game, two hundred yards on the ground per game permitting. 34 points per game, 29th in the nation in scoring. They are also 20th in points allowed with 18.7. They have a big game this weekend versus number six, Michigan. We'll see how things shake out for them. At number seven, we have, uh, of course, my squad, the Ducks, Oregon, six and one here. Of course, they got that ugly win over UCLA. You know, let's just talk about. 34 to 31 was the final score. UCLA, of course, is flying through right now. Anthony Brown, 29 of 39 for 296 yards, 85 rushing yards, and a touchdown. He got 15 through the air for their again their rushing touchdown. A problem came in the fourth quarter. They threw two interceptions, two sacks for loss. But that's pretty much uh, given UCLA life in a moment where they didn't need it much. Um, yeah. Outside of those two ugly ass plays, he played a decent game, but I didn't like those two interceptions. I don't know what the fuck that came from. I mean, he needs some help. I'm just gonna say that right there. Travis Dye, four total touchdowns on the ground. A beast. He didn't even need that many yards, which is proficient running. I love it. Efficient. That's the word I was trying to say. Efficient running. Dope. Uh, one hundred like twenty six rushing yards. I mean, come on, man. Four touchdowns, and twenty six rushing yards. I mean, you just that's what you just talking about. Just good placement, just good ball position, and just good position for the Ducks. I mean, just making it, making it count, man. Travis Dye doing his thing. Wide receiver Devin Williams, five receptions, 80 yards. He was the receiver on defense. Trayvon Thibodeau, of course, led the way with eight total tackles, three sacks, and a forced fumble. And defensive back DJ James, they had two interceptions. But UCLA rolling with Thompson Robinson to go 22 of 41, 220 yards. Uh, you would have a touchdown. And you would throw an interception. You would have a touchdown on that one as well. Running back Brittany Knight, he's a great on the ground. Uh, he had actually the league team's leading rusher with 45 rushing yards, and he would have had two touchdowns. Wide receiver Kyle Phillips would have eight receptions for 72 yards. Uh, Taz, my, Tazmir Allen would have the receiving touchdown. And defensively, Jordan uh, Demartis would have eight total tackles and a sack as well. Um, like I said, the weakness could be passing right now. Um, as a team, well, Oregon ranks 129th in passing, 216 yards per game. Like I said, we talked about that defense is too late. It takes, I just, I just don't like it. But then Mario Cristobal goes on to say, goes on to say, I think we're scratching the surface in the passing game. Maybe, hopefully, 
Uh, some good news, though, that number six in the nation in terms of recruiting right now. They recently signed the number 12 linebacker from USC, Jackson Jackson. And so they did that a couple weeks ago. So, um, you know, we can report that he's still recruiting pretty good. Uh, not no problems with that. At number six, we have uh, Michigan, 7-0. and At number five, we have Ohio State at 6-1. and We have number four, Oklahoma, at 8-0. and Of course, they have the drama there with Spencer Rattler. He was looking to transfer probably if he doesn't get another playing time. Of course, he was getting benched for Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams is essentially one of the things. Spencer Rattler, though, was coming into this season with Heisman expectations, so I understand his frustration. He's currently just 6-2 as a starter, but the team has experience with Caleb Williams. It's just the way that it is. They're averaging 9 points. Why? 9.3 yards of play. Almost a first down. Sorry, Spencer. I'm glad you got the transfer. At number three, we have Alabama, 7-1. At number two, we have Cincinnati. We're undefeated at 7-0. And at number one, of course, Georgia. Undefeated at 7-0 as well. All right, y'all. I'm going to take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to go into some NBA action. I want to break down some of the biggest headlines with most propriety. And, of course, again, some situations. And I also want to get into some entertainment as well. And then we'll break it down, of course, with sports and everything else as well. All right, y'all. I'll be right back. All right, y'all, we got to wrap this up. Uh, I, you know, scheduling kind of got in the way. I had to head to work. So now we are finishing this off. Now I want it. Well, and since uh, we are, uh, well, at Thursday, uh, Thursday now, um, I needed to go over game two of the World Series since I'm here. And then I'll go over last night's NBA action as well. And, of course, I wanted to get through some news. So let's get through uh, the the World Series first, of course, we had Game 2 last night. Of course, my other segment, my earlier segment, I'll be going over Game 1 and college football. So, again, just so you guys don't get confused, uh, this segment, I'll be going over Game 2. So, Game 2, uh, Braves uh, take the L here against the Astros 2-7. to seven. The series is now tied one uh, one game apiece. Uh, for the Braves last night, uh, they got a solo home run from uh, catcher Travis De Arnaud. Freddie Freeman was also able to bring in an RBI as well. However, for the Braves, they were one for five with runners in scoring position, though. So there was a chance to put some more runs uh, up there, at least six more runs, uh, potentially. Uh, but again, uh, well, at least maybe five more runs, potentially. But again, it didn't happen. One for five with runners in scoring position. At least five chances, or at least, one, at least six chances uh, to put runs on the board. And, you know, Atlanta failed to do that. So again, they take the L in game two on the mound. Uh, Max Freed 
uh, did take the L. Uh, he had a five inning. He went for five innings last night, gave up seven hits, six earned runs. He would also have six strikeouts. But again, when you give up six runs, it kind of makes those six strikeouts, you know, mute. Now, we go to the Astros. Jose Altuve, Jose Altuve excuse me, hits a solo home run. Michael, uh, Michael Brantley, Alex Bregman, Yuli Gurriel, and also two other Astros would hit RBIs as well. And on the mound, Jose Urquidy gets the win, uh, goes for five innings, gives up six hits, but only two earned runs and seven Ks. Like I said, uh, the Braves really struggled when they had runners in scoring position. Only one, um, only one hit, and um, only one hit in that position. So, uh, not a good look from there. But it, again, it it went back and forth. I mean, uh, game one, uh, the Braves looked really good. Uh, put in some extra runs, and in this game, uh, the Astros they fire back. Their pitching staff again. You know, we talk. Oh, I've ta- I mentioned a lot about their offensive uh, powers. You know, like Correa, also Altuve. So many times I mentioned these guys on the channel, but also uh, do not forget about that pitching staff as well. Grinky hasn't even shown up yet. You still got Luis Garcia in the mix. You had a good showing from Urquidy last night. Um, and forgive me if I'm mispronouncing his name, but again, uh, Houston Astros have a really good pitching staff, and it's really deep as well. So um, the question is, you know, what teams? Well, I mean, who's gonna make those? You know, those plays when you have to, you know, when they need to be made. I mean. Um, can Atlanta, you know, not have another night where they go one for five or worse with runners in scoring position? Uh, can the Astros keep up that pitching performance, you know, as much as they can? I mean, again, you kind of, I mean, again, with the series being tied one to one, you've, you've seen uh, both teams, you know, do what they would do, you know, in order to get W. So, again, the question is who can do that more often? That, that's it. Um, so, let's move on from the NBA. Joe uh, was just a brief MLB. Uh, you know, MLB recap just because, again, now that we're recording it as of Thursday afternoon almost, you know, we might as well since it's happened. I want to cover what has happened. Uh, so let's talk about the NBA. We had some scores from last night. Actually, before I get into the scores, now nah, let's just go ahead and go to the stores, the scores, and I'll get to the news when I get through that. Um, first things first, we have the Hornets getting the best of the Magic. 120 to 111 was the final score on this one. The Hornets moved to 4 and 1. The Magic are 1 and 4. Uh, for the Hornets that were led by Miles Bridges, the leading scorer last night between both teams with 31 points. He also had 6 rebounds. Gordon Hayward would put up 24 points, 5 assists, and 5 rebounds. And Jalen McDaniels would do his thing with 16 points, 3 assists, and 4 rebounds. For the Magic, Cole Anthony would lead the way with 24 points, 6 assists, and 5 rebounds. Forward slash center, Wendell Carter Jr. would get 28 points, 2 assists, and also 10 rebounds. And Terrence Ross would get 18 points off the bench. Uh, a couple takeaways from this one. Um, as far as shooting is concerned, great shooting from the Hornets. 51% from the field, 46% from 3 also uh, controlled the boards as well, getting a 43, 40 to 33 advantage on the Magic there. They also were forced 14 steals and 16 turnovers, so a good defensive showcasing. Um, the only drawback was Lamella Ball. You know, again, I mean, it's an 82-game season, just one bad night so far, at least from what I've seen. Seven points from him, three assists, and also six rebounds. Again, I mean, there's so many games to play. 
You're not going to look hot every night. It just happened to be one of those nights he didn't look super hot. But moving on, uh, we got the Heat getting it done against the Nets, uh, 106 to 93. We got the Hawks getting it done against the Pelicans, 102 to 99. We got the Raptors getting it done by 18 against the Pacers, 118 to 100 was the final score. We got the Wizards getting it done against the Celtics, 116 to 107. The Timberwolves, uh, they pull off a little bit of a shocker here, um, 113 to 108 over the Bucks. They are three and one on the year. The Bucks go to three. Three and two, but the Timberwolves they were led by D'Angelo Russell, 29 points, six assists, and five rebounds. Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony uh, Anthony Edwards will both get 25 points each. And for the Bucks, of course, Giannis um, doing his thing for 40 points from him, seven assists, and also 16 rebounds. Um, and just one of those nights he really didn't get that much help. Chris Middleton was the next leading scorer with 16 points, five assists, and five rebounds. And that was my biggest takeaway from the game. Um, I believe. Um, despite despite it looking oh I'm sorry the, the, the one thirteen to one oh eight this but beside that score um the Timberwolves kind of played a sloppy game they gave a lot of turnovers uh the Bucks forced a lot of steals so um you know again if Chris Middleton has a you know a stronger night you get another maybe another third score coming off uh you know going off for the Bucks maybe it's a different you know it's a different ball game but course you got Giannis the MVP doing his thing he ain't going nowhere um but you know just like again one of those nights where you know his supporting cash just does not show up that just happens um we also got the Lakers getting it getting it done against the Thunder uh sorry the Thunder getting it done against the Lakers excuse me 123 to 115 the Thunder get their first year uh, first win of the year they go to one and four and the Lakers they're looking I guess okay, but they are two and three. Uh, the Lakers in this game were led by AD. Of course, he would have 30 points, two assists, and also eight rebounds. Uh, Russell Westbrook, he would get kicked out for some altercations, but he will put up 20 points, 13 assists, and also 14 rebounds. So again, Mr. Triple tri Triple Doubles doing his thing. And Carmelo and Avery Bradley also help out the Lakers with 13 points each. Carmelo has recently become the ninth highest scoring player in the league, so I will give him some props for that. And uh, moving on to the Thunder, Shai Gilgis Alexander will be the leading scorer for that team. 27 points, 5 assists, and 7 rebounds. Forward Darius Baisley would have uh, 20, 20 points, 2 assists, and 6 rebounds. And uh, guard Josh Giddy will get 18 points and sorry, 18 points and 10 assists. And Derek Favors still in the league doing his thing. 15 points from him and also 6 rebounds. A couple takeaways. The Lakers would just shoot 31% from 3. They were outscored 21 to uh, 41, I believe it was, in the third quarter. And they also turned the ball over 17 times. So a sloppy game from them. Uh, looks like they are still uh, reeling from not having LeBron right now. Um, I'm hearing from these different sources that nobody is afraid of this team. So we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, LeBron ain't there right now. They still kind of bringing those pieces together. We'll see. Uh, moving on, we got the Blazers getting a W against the, the Grizzlies, 116-96. to 96. The Suns get the best of the Kings. Sorry, the Kings get the best of the Suns, 110-107. to And finally, we got the Cavaliers getting it done against the Clippers, 92-79. to uh, The Cavaliers move to 3-2 on the year. The Clips are now 1-3. For the Cavaliers, uh, Connor Sexton will lead the way for them, 26 points, 7 rebounds. Darius Garland uh, would have 16 points, 6 assists, and 4 rebounds. And Ricky Rubio would do his thing as well. He would get 15 points, 3 assists, and also 3 rebounds. For the Clippers, Reggie Jackson and Nicholas Batum would both have 16 points each. And I believe Paul George really wasn't much of a factor, just 12 points from him. 
they're also dealing with another significant injury to Kawhi Leonard. So that is the issue there. Um, before I let you guys go, like I said, I want to break down, a, you know, some of the big headlines. First things first, I, don't, I have not spoken on Kyrie and his uh, anti-vaccination stance. Uh, but you kind of know kind of where I might be going with this if you listen to previous episodes. I personally don't have a problem with it. Um, I think we have a right to uphold um, to to uphold that uh, about our bodies and be able to make those choices based on what we understand from what we've been you know being given by this um, by the media or the, you know the doctors or whatever CDs whoever you know Fauci and um, again in my personal experience. I think I thought it was ineffective and um, personally and I, I took the work the first shot I, I felt like my body rejected that I felt worse than what I you know was when I was actually sick with COVID and I thought it was a dumb decision on my point um, and I and I did not follow through with the second and I refused to get any type of booster and this is my body this is what I feel in my personal uh, you know my uh, with immune system. Um, again, I, you know, I've practiced the social distancing when I can. I've worn my mask. I haven't gotten sick. And again, it's about protecting others. If I'm not sick, then I don't have to worry about, you know, passing it to others. Um, and like I said before, if this was killing people like it, like the Black Plague was, and hundreds of years ago, and it was it was doing that to people, then I would feel convinced to want to try something to get me to get you know to not have to worry about it but this has a 90 percent you know uh recovery rate i've already had it when it first came on the scene many people i know had it when it first came on the scene we did not die and as far as i know because of the nature of this situation it being a you know airborne virus you know these these particles going in the air we are being in contact with it every day so the fact that you are still here, the fact that you are still living, it uh, I think it rings true to the immune system that God already pre-ordained you with to fight off these whatever viruses they are. Again, um, if you are immuno, immuno, immunocompromised, then I could understand you wanting to uh, protect yourself. If you have any other underlying health conditions that I get. But if you are a relatively healthy human being, you will be able to face this and more than likely you've been in contact with this multiple times and you haven't even you know brushed at it your body hasn't even made a you know a, a, a you know a you know reaction to it we're constantly being i mean again with the way that they're talking about this virus is that we're coming into contact in contact with it every day it surrounds us almost you know when we're around other people and so again if if you are you know uh immunocompromised then I would understand you want to get that extra extra protection because that's who is dying and let's just let's just not just listen to the fact that oh well the people who are dying are just un no they're unvaccinated with pre-existing problems that's who's dying and again it's a, it's a reflection of the US healthcare system as a whole because we have not been able to take care of these people with these pre-existing conditions that got exacerbated because of COVID so it's not so much our fault it ain't so much the non-vaxxers problem Again, this is a, a, a societal uh, issue here stemming from lack of knowledge, first of all, about what this whole virus was and a, a lack of 
real transparency about the information because again we are being revealed it's being revealed to us daily you know almost on a daily basis low-key that your best defense for this has always been your natural immune system and nobody wants to believe in that nobody and you know about nobody who's taking the vaccine wants to believe that nobody who's pushing the vaccine wants to wants you to believe that but again if that was not the case you'd have millions more people dying why is that why are we not having millions more people dying because they are able to survive it they are able to withstand it naturally now maybe we should be looking more into how to promote that as opposed to trying to make big pharmacy rich big pharma is the one that put the pills out on the street had west we talked about this they had west virginia high on pills me billions of pills on the street i don't trust big pharma sorry that's just big that all that vaccine is this big pharma and 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 scientists pushing that in favor of that because there's different scientists that'll tell you something different there's different medical uh there's different people in medical field not even touching the vaccine so again i stand by Kyrie specifically because i know that there's members in the medical community that are not taking it either so i'm fine with i'm fine with Kyrie and his decision i think um the city of san francisco and the city of new york new york have some very backwards uh, backwards mandates pertaining to it and they're forceful but i i but again you know that's just kind of the liberal mindset it's a liberal mind hive so out here so again they want to make everybody do it they want to make everybody be involved in it. Oh, well, you know, the, the players that are coming to visit, they might not have to take it, but they get to play anyways. That's as backwards to have Kyrie not be able to play but other because he's not vaccinated, but have these visiting players play even though they're not vaccinated. That's as backward. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a California, it's a New York situation. You blame, it's Kyrie's situation. You can blame that on New York and they're, they're back at, backwards as mandates. I think... I think all those policies are ineffective. And the best defense that we had against COVID so far has been the shutting down of everything was when we shut down everything and had everybody socially distanced. The vaccine hasn't done shit in reality. And we keep trying to bring it. I'm rolling with Joe Rogan. On, and I don't agree with Joe Rogan on everything, but I'm rolling with Joe Rogan on this one. Don Lemon and Gupta are full of shit and they're just pushing the narrative for big pharma, the big corporations. And I've been telling you about this for years. Big corporations. That's our problem. Not the government. Not even so much the government. Well, the government, you know, they get played by them or they get, you know, they get enticed by them. We have people lobbying, you know, for their, their attention every day. But again, who's behind it? Big corporation. Big farmers are corporation or corporations. All those people, Pfizer, Johnson and Johnson, and again, you know, I don't want to keep, you know, bringing up Chappelle, right? But just to make another point on him, y'all claim he's so woke and so bold, but again, he took the vaccine, and not only did he take the vaccine, he took the trash, the supposedly worst, the worst one of them all, the Johnson and Johnson version. It's a joke, but again, he's a comedian, so there we go. So no, I stand with I stand with Kyrie. I think the the vaccines are ineffective. They're not ineffective, to be honest with you, for a lot of people, and then and they're not necessary with uh, natural immunity. What we know about our natural immunity, they're not they're not necessary. This is big corporation again trying to flex their might, because again they'll eventually start making you pay for these things, 
and they're getting they're definitely getting paid now for just you know being able to you know to force you to take the shit i mean this is all about big money so i'm with Kyrie. i hope he don't take the knee and have to take it I'd stand by your stand by stand by what you believe and stop and we can't let these people continuously beat us and rile us in you know with these um these horror stories that they that they're coming up with they're making their divide every day it's like it's another excuse as to why i need to take this that's all i'm hearing even though again i haven't had no covid symptoms and since i've been sick with it year, a year ago almost two years ago since when it first came out i know i had it i wouldn't got to check that it, what it is oh well actually yeah everything you know like I haven't even had nowhere near the same symptoms. And I get allergies. And I get the, you know, I'll get a runny nose. I, you know, I know what that is. Come on, man. We got, we all get allergies. We all get sniffles. And if you get allergies, you know you get all that. So, you know, there's more that we need to learn about. I understand. But to force us to take a vaccine that y'all not even 100% sure with, I'm not rocking with. So I'm going to ride with Kyrie on this one. I hope he doesn't take the knee. Um, he is speaking for a lot of people who don't who feel the same way, you know, and um, there's there's again, there's if you are so if it's if it's if it's a 90 plus percent survival recovery rate for this, in my opinion, there's no need for a vaccine. If you can live from it, if you if you don't if you're not dying from it, unless you have a compromised immune system, then what's the point? If you, again, if you have a, a underlying condition, I'd say maybe I suggest maybe you should. But if you're a relatively healthy human being, I would suggest just take some more vitamins, get your get your get your supplements up. That's all. All that I need to no, you don't. You're living. Uh, trust me, we are living just fine without one. Believe me. Believe it or believe it or not. I know you don't want to believe it. You want to believe that it, it, just because you ain't got the vac, you're getting it every day, and we. No, that's not the case. That's not that's not how it works, y'all. They tell they again. It's they've been deceiving us about how this. I, they probably deceiving us on how this all comes into our system, how it affects us. I wouldn't buy into. I, I'm I'm not buying all into what Fauci has to say, and all those guys. Sorry, and I'm not listening. I'm not. I'm and Joe Rogan isn't necessarily the source either because he's getting his information from other people in the medical field. Look at who he's looking into. So there's because again there's different scientists there's different medical officials telling us different things so I that's anti and pro vaccination so y'all take it which what, what you what you know um you know I'm basing my my you know thoughts and my opinions based off what I've heard come from actual scientists and or medical people's mouth referring to this so okay that's where I'm going off of. Let's get away from Kyrie for now. We'll we'll get back to that later. We have a few more things, a couple more things to go through. Uh, next up, of course, Ben Simmons. Of course, he's been the big topic outside of Kyrie for a good minute now, at least until the season has uh, officially started. Of course, there was a drama about him wanting to be traded or whatever, him being unhappy. Then he shows up to training camp, cell phone in his pocket, not really engaged. Uh, you have um, you have him being kicked out of practice. Doc Rivers goes at him. You also got Joel Embiid taking a few shots, taking a shot at him, telling him, you know, telling the media, "We're not here to babysit." All this type of shit, right? 
Uh, but apparently, you know, of course, the story, you know, changes or whatever. Apparently, he didn't have a phone on him or whatever. Uh, he just, I guess he just wasn't focused. He just wasn't feeling it that day. It's just a whole bunch of drama, to be honest, for, for bullshit. I mean, um, I, there is definitely truth that, you know, the Sixers want to trade him. The problem is, I don't think people want to take a big-ass risk on him because his offensive skill set is so limited. Now, what I will say, uh, what I hear from people in his defense for, for what it's worth, is that, oh, well, he's a great defender. He does all this, and, and, and don't get me wrong, he plays great defense. He's a defensive you know, uh, defensive team member. I don't know if he's a DPOI. Um, I can't remember that off the top of my head. But I still feel that you know, basketball is still a sport that's predicated on offense and scoring the most points. I think that's where, you know, they the the league places the emphasis on on things. And you know, when I hear when I when I so and when I also hear experts say some experts say is, you know, because of you know basketball being you know such an offensive you know minded sport does it really matter if you're that great of a defender and if you, if you can't score, if you can't contribute offensively? I think they have a point. I mean, look at somebody like, you know, Carmelo Anthony. Uh, we know that Carmelo Anthony has not, you know, won anything significantly. He, you know, doesn't play defense, but he still has a job in the league. He is well-loved and well-liked, and everybody wants him to be a Hall of Famer. I think that if... Ben Simmons doesn't really do anything to improve his offensive game and he doesn't win a championship or anything like that or any type of MVP he won't be remembered the same way that Carmelo is nobody's looking for it nobody nobody cares about defense to that to that extent <laughs> in the NBA I don't think they ever did um, unless you were like you know um, Dennis Rodman or you know Bill Russell and he's not a great he's not a great defender like Dennis Rodman and he's not a great quote unquote leader that Bill Russell was. So what else does he have? I always thought he was average. That's just me. He can he can work in the paint pretty well. Uh like I said, he plays great defense, but there's more to it than that, obviously, in basketball. You gotta be able to shoot the ball, you gotta be able to score points, and I don't think he's a great scorer. I wouldn't I would not trade anything significant to get him on my team. If I was a GM. And that's how I feel about it. Um, whatever happens with him now is, I mean, I hope I hope for him the best, but I wouldn't be the one to trade for him. Apparently, he's getting uh, his body, I believe, is uh, back work on in rehab. So that's a good thing in, in 76ers rehab. He is uh, practicing more with the team. So whatever happens, you know, hopefully, you know, they, they try to salvage things there with Philly and Maybe they can maybe they can uh, develop him somewhat. Uh, of course, he's been working on. Well, apparently, uh, he's been going to get some work on his mental health as well. So that might help him out. Um, and maybe that might keep him there in Philadelphia. Maybe they decide not to trade him. Maybe he just says, "Look, you know, maybe I don't want to be traded anymore. Maybe this team is showing, you know, showing some type of love for me and, you know, some type of care for me. You know, and uh, maybe that might dissuade him from, you know, still wanting to get traded or, you know, vice versa. The team not really wanting to trade him. I don't know. Um, but as far as I know, he's still going to be a sixer for a while. So we'll see what happens in his future. And finally, I want to get this uh, this last little bit of news off my chest. Uh, in, her, in his cancer uh, center for the Celtics, 
has been going on a anti-China, anti-Nike campaign as of recently. Um, basically, you know, saying things like free, free Tibet, you know, and uh, free those people of, uh, you know, Chinese rule, things of that nature. Also calling out Nike for slave labor practices. And I just want to tell this uh, another thing, too. I, I just want to say this thing, too. I support that as well. Um, again, I don't know about China's politics per se, but I definitely know that there's some drama referring to Tibet. And uh, as far as I know, historically, there's been some mistreatment of those people. So I'm not for that. I am against that. Should it be his own legitimate nation? I I am not the the um, the the social science the social what do I want to say here the social sciences person that I would want that that you know that could make that or could really talk about that I'm not a states person statesman or anything like that uh, so I don't want to say I don't want I don't want to get into whether or not they should be independent but they definitely been mistreated by China uh, they definitely deserve their own, you know deserve. For, I guess for China to fall back in that regard and to not mistreat them and to abuse them. And there's a history there of that type of stuff happening. You know, China, you know, murdering people, murdering their people and, you know, trying to dictate to them and control their, you know, resources. Again, it's, you know, everybody wants to rule the world. Uh, so, you know, on that, on that note, I think China should leave Tibet alone. I think they should leave Hong Kong alone. Again, Hong Kong is its own, you know, place. Um, outside of that, I'm not going to make any, you know, direct comments towards their leader. I can't pronounce his name. I'm not going to go there and disrespect him on that by, by mispronouncing his name. Um, I'm not going to make any direct claims on him. I just feel like they should be treating their people better. They should be treating Taiwan better. They shouldn't be sending 150 planes over there trying to punk them too. Um, they definitely, I, I'm definitely against the slave, slave labor that Nike employs. Uh, particularly, you know, I had I was really adamant against it, particularly when they decided to use Colin Kaepernick as their face for some type of social justice in America. I was sitting there like, oh, how dare you guys? And you're partnering up with these guys like Colin. Are you are you doing your homework? You're talking about social justice, but you're being supported by a company who basically extorts people. But again, I, I'm, you ask me, I think his whole thing was to extort us. So, you know, that's my feelings about that. Um, you know, I, I take a stand with Ennis, you know, Nike should not be employing slave labor and for what it's worth, I don't really buy a whole lot of Nike because of it. Um, I've always kind of been that way. Every, you know, I, but I mean, again, it's, it's hard because, you know, all these major companies are using that type of labor. So you can't, you know, it's hard, you know, even your coffee beans that you buy, you know, could be, could be, you know, from some, some sort of slave labor you know and it's cold how they got the world like that you know we don't even know about all this and we think that slavery is is dead but it's really alive and well and it's your corporations right here in this country that are promoting it low-key so again i'm down with ennis canner i'm not going to say anything totally i'm not going to say anything down on china or anything like that um, other than y'all need to take better care to bed and stop trying to dictate to those people what to do and mistreat those people um you know the, the, you know china is ran by the communist party so you know what it is 
<laughs> you know, you you know, it's it's not what we got here in America. So obviously that's that's different. As much as I'm anti, I'm not always I'm not I wouldn't even call myself anti American, but as much as I'm not pro America, I'm not I'm definitely not no communist. So I don't fuck with communism either because I don't see where that look at China like and I I'm gonna be honest with you. If and my thing is China one thing I will say is that they always seem to trip when somebody that's not China, not Chinese is speaking out like a celebrity from America or an athlete. You know, cause they got that Daryl Morey for doing the same thing, uh, for being pro Hong Kong or whatever. And my thing is like, y'all must not have the tightest, tightest control on your people that y'all think y'all do, or the, the the most influence that you think you do over your people. Y'all are concerned about what basketball players are saying about <laughs> what's going on. Like you think that's going to affect your people? Maybe, but maybe the Chinese people aren't as happy as as you know their government claims they are. And maybe they maybe they do support some of Ennis Cantor's sentiments. Maybe they do. <laughs> I mean, because again, I just I just find it funny how every time somebody you know speaks out against what China's doing, their leader just always wants to speak out against that and and wants to censure that. And uh, uh, China has recently uh, blocked out all of the Celtics games from being played in China. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here! All because he feels that y'all, you know. Utilize slave labor, which is true. <laughs> I don't know. Like, um, I don't. I don't. I don't see. I never saw an example of Biden or even Trump. You know, going after other athletes when they spoke out. Other, you know, co- you know, athletes from other countries when they spoke out against what's going on in America, they just seem to kind of brush that off. Now, mind you, you'll hear, you know, Trump talk about talk shit about you know our American athletes, but that's one thing. You know, that's that's a whole totally different thing. Um, it's not like it's not like I heard Tyson Fury saying, "Yeah, you know, the U.S. does this, that, and the other." And then out of nowhere, I heard Biden go, "Who the fuck are you to talk about us?" You know, that's how I feel about you know China right now. Like they get so pissed, I just feel like that's a, again, that's like that's like them showing us like, yeah, their their grip isn't all that tight as they think it is. It's not. If you chip my way in this canter is saying saying, then I think there's some concern about how about how your control is over your people. It gotta be. It gotta be. So, um, China, they trying to they trying to re grip. They trying to put that grip on their peoples right now. They for real trying to do that. So, look out for that. Look out for whatever China got going on in the next uh, few months. I don't know, man. <laughs> they mad. They mad at Ennis. Um, I hope they don't put a. They they ain't gonna put a hit out on my boy. I hope they don't put a hit out on my boy. It don't say nothing about uh, the gay leader though, Ennis. I will tell you that. Don't say nothing about the president. Just just about the the government. <laughs> just say just say vague terms. I think I think they really get it when you. I think I think they the government really gets mad when you talk about. Oh, I can't pronounce his name. Uh, when you talk about the president directly, oh they hate that shit. They hated the memes when they put him on the Winnie the Pooh body. Check the memes out. <laughs> he looked look just like that boy Winnie the Pooh And they hated it oh, They was mad Whoever made that meme They might not be alive no more partic- Specifically if they were Chinese <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you They don't play That's why I mean Again You gotta You gotta be grateful of your circumstances <laughs> So I will take the fact that I'm in America Because in America I can say fuck Trump I can say fuck Joe Biden I can't be from China and say fuck whoever their leader is without getting a, a threat to my house or being banned. <laughs> if I say some shit like that in China about my about their leader, I'm done. I'm done. But I can be an American and say Biden ain't really doing his job. 
<laughs> Trump was garbage. I can say that, and I and I take that. Um. Anyway, y'all, let me call a wrap for today. Um, we had to get this episode done only because it took so long. I'm sorry, I had to go to work, and last night it was my Friday. You know, I was tired, so I said I'll just finish it up this morning. I'll get all the notes that I need and finish it up this morning. So that's what we got. But uh, as far as the next episode, at least on the podcast, is concerned, uh, we'll be going back into the NBA, of course, since we are in the midst of the season. I want to go over some more of these injuries. Of course, LeBron is out. If he's back, you know, he's back. But if he's still out, we'll talk more about, you know, what's going on with him. Same thing with Kawhi. Um, I plan to be back uh, tomorrow or Saturday. So, you know, if they're still gone by then, we'll talk about, you know, what's up with them. Of course, we'll go through the standings. I don't have to rush into the standings for the NBA right away because, I mean, it looks like we're about five games in. Uh, to me, that ain't enough to really to really take a glance about a glance at really what's going on in the NBA right now. Things are still relatively early. You got teams getting used to each other, getting used to whatever new game plan. So, it, you know, I don't want to get into the standings just just away, just just right away because again, it, it's not going to tell you a full story just yet. So I'm gonna wait till the weekend. Um, I'll put out my first standings then. Uh, well, at least you know my first, you know my first analyzation i guess you would call it other standings this weekend um of course we'll be going over the uh world series as well we got some nfl action starting tonight with thursday night football so we'll be going over that as well my next episode as far oops sorry as far as far as the youtube is concerned of course i am working uh we'll be putting out um some news related topics soon of course we're getting out the afghanistan project as we speak i'll be i'm actually Put the, the necessary editing touches on that. I'm also working on some art reviews. So we'll be talking about Van Gogh. Well, I'm going to be talking about Van Gogh, Da Vinci, Van Gogh. I said Van Gogh, Da Vinci, bunch of shit. So we're going to be doing some art reviews. Of course, I got college football projects on deck for YouTube. Of course, y'all know about that. Floyd Mayweather is in the works as well. Uh, his, retro, his career retrospective is in the works as well. So I'm a busy guy. You know what it is. I'm going to be leaving the links available for y'all to hit me up. Please follow me on Instagram. If you want, you can add me on Facebook. And, uh, yeah, you know what it is. If anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Peace out. One love. And I'll highlight all you guys later.